Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey there, it's Perez Hilton. You might know me from many ways, many things, but I am most proud of being the host of the PHP, the best podcast in the world to get your celebrity news and gossip. If you're not already listening to my show, then this week is definitely your time to start. I'm talking to former beauty queen, Miss California herself, and somebody that I have quite the past with, Carrie Prejean. She was competing in the Miss USA contest when I asked her that infamous question about same-sex marriage, and we have a lot of catching up to do. Maybe I apologize, or she forgives me, or who knows how it's gonna go. Listen and subscribe to my podcast, The PHP, with me, Perez Hilton, and Chris Booker every week, with new episodes and juicy news every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Stress has not been reduced. Uh, it's been an uncanny couple of years. And you might be feeling a little worn down uh, in the thick of winter here. Uh, sicknesses as well get upon us in addition to COVID, of course. Very important to support our immune system. Uh, do what you can to boost it by supporting your gut health. Some suggest that immune system is very tied into your gut well-being. Jonathan Jacobs, a physician and professor at UCLA, he says, quote, the microbiome and the immune system are critically intertwined. This means that when you get the wrong stuff going in your gut, um, it can affect our immunity. It can. We believe we there's good evidence for that now. And it's not easy to get everything right, so you could try Biome Breakthrough daily. Biome Breakthrough contains powerful probiotics and prebiotics, right? In order to use the probiotic, you need the prebiotic, as well as a one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is a patented egg-based protein that helps with gut health, reverses damages caused by antibiotics. IGY Max may be an important immune system nutrient. By taking Biome Breakthrough daily, you can affect bad bacteria, enhance good bacteria, build up immune function. Best time to take Biome Breakthrough is first thing in the morning. Mix it in eight ounces of water and drink it on an empty stomach to experience, hopefully, improved immune function. So what are you waiting for? Power up your immunity today by trying Biome Breakthrough at biomebreakthrough.com slash drew. Use the code DrDrew10 to receive 10% off any order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. That is biomebreakthrough.com slash drew. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We appreciate you all being here and supporting people that support us so we can keep the winds in the sail to curl the pirate ship. Uh, do check out our streaming show, drdrew.tv, and uh, stick out, uh, you know, stick around to join Instagram and uh, TikTok and, and, and uh, of course, Twitter at Dr. Drew, and the, the Instagram is at Dr. Drew Pinsky. So let's uh, get to start out here, get to a couple calls. All right, first up, we have uh, Ian. Ian, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew, I was calling um, in reference to my skepticism about the official 
quote-unquote death tally for COVID. Sure. I want to disclaim that I'm not saying it's just the flu. I myself had it in yeah. March 2020. Yeah, I was sick for three days with some residual fatigue after. Yeah. My lady was a little bit more sick for about 11 days. Yeah. And that was when, you know, we didn't really know what it was. But if I'm not mistaken, the official criteria, for example, for a COVID hospitalization, quote unquote, is if you're in the hospital with a positive diagnosis. So ostensibly someone could get in a terrible car accident. And if they happen to test positive for COVID, that's a COVID hospitalization. Right. So if that's true, then one could extrapolate that if somebody dies from a car accident while being tested positive for COVID, that also is a COVID death, even though right. they really, the so, person really died so this from has a car been, accident. This has been, Am I right to be skeptical of this, or, or what do you have to say about my skepticism of the official uh, death tally for COVID? Okay, you ready to listen? You hearing me? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So uh, there's no need for skepticism because it's simply the fact that you are correct, and the reason they did that is to keep hospitals from going under financially. So they, as a convention, said anything related to COVID, we're going to reimburse because that's the only thing that's going to be in the hospitals during the lockdown. We, we would have lost half our hospital system had they not done that. Now, the problem is it skews the numbers, right? And everyone is yeah. aware, everyone's aware of it. Uh, the CDC has been kind of adjusting this data for the last year. I think we're going to have real numbers. That they're starting to trickle out more real numbers, and obviously it affects more the hospitalization rate than the death rate. Um, but, yeah, there there is some skewing of the numbers in there that we have to figure out. It looks like it's going to be about 10 or 20% of the numbers, particularly as it pertains to hospitalization. But uh, hopefully we'll shake all this out. It's kind of interesting to me how um, the Eastern European situation has kind of refocused everybody. It's kind of strange to me that all of a sudden people are like, yeah, 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 we can talk about this now. Weird. I mean, I'm seeing. Well, I, I ask because, for example, if I express uh, disdain for the mask hysteria, yeah. people call me a ghoul that nearly a people, a million people died, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they're they're characterizing me as thinking I don't care about COVID, right. or I think it's just the flu, or right. these other right. strawman arguments. Right. But when when the basis of their argument to attack me is is based on faulty numbers that overstates how lethal COVID really is, I mean that itself is a problem with this sort of uh, demonization of people who don't agree with them with the with the mask hysteria, for example. Well, I would, so I, again, it's killed, I it, it killed a lot of people, right? It's you know, The difference between, you know, 500,000, 700,000, people are going to say is kind of, mint, you know, picking nits. They're splitting hairs. And and the the interesting thing to me is, is that if masks really worked, then this would be an interesting discussion. But the data on masks, is super clear now that it doesn't work on a mass level, particularly in children. Now, it can it might help if you have an N95 in that whole class. It might protect you if you're interested in protecting yourself, but it doesn't protect you from infecting someone else. That's very clear. So the idea that people call you not caring or you know minimizing are people that actually haven't looked at the data. The, you know the big the two big mask studies there've been there've been a number and and clearly you know if you're wearing a mask and you want to reduce your transmission indoors there's some effect there's some effect but you can't reduce your transmission of particularly omicron 
by wearing a mask. That's pretty clear. And then the big mass studies, M-A-S-S, not M-A-S-K, the big mass studies were done in Bangladesh and Denmark. And, you know, Denmark showed like a 15% effect and Bangladesh showed almost no effect. So that study was highly criticized in terms of how they collected their numbers. It was 600,000 people and how they looked at the data. So they opened the data and multiple groups rushed in and reanalyzed the data. And it turns out the masks were even less effective (laughs) than in the original publication. So, you know, the the problem is really the, the incredibly unsophisticated way people are thinking about this. And the fact that our public health officials have uh, have enhanced this yes or no, you know, all or none kind of thinking, which is not what people need. People need a little more nuance. We did it well, with what HIV. What I find the most contemptible, we... Doctor Drew, is these people. I see. I live in New York in mm-hmm. AOC land, actually, mm-hmm. just on the the tip of her district. Unfortunately, these people are wearing outside when we've know. known from the beginning I know. that outdoor transmission is nigh impossible. I know. I know. So masks and are certainly useless hey, then. Dude. And it's because of people like that that Hochul Ian, had the political I, I agree. capital to be able to reinstigate that stupid mandate. And well, it's because of people like that that well, you know we can't get to any semblance of normalcy. Let me let me make it let me pile on. In my county here in Los Angeles Outdoor masking was required by the county, by our public health director, who is not a clinician. She's a sociologist. It's funny. I was looking at her talking from her office, and I was looking at her bookshelf. Could not find one clinical book on her bookshelf. She has no clinical training, and she's making sophisticated non-pharmacological interventions that are ridiculous, damaging, upsetting the economy, hurting children, and has no awareness of the adverse effect of her decision-making. So I'm with you on that. Listen, I was running the other day. I've told this story before. I was out running, and uh, an older gentleman was on the – you know, I was sort of on the – in the gutter, and an older gentleman was on the sidewalk. As I ran by, he had a mask on. We were completely out of doors in in nature – and he recoiled from me like I was on fire. And I thought, oh, yeah. my God, what have we done to people? What have we done? And this is, this is, the, this is the public – listen, I see this whole thing as – listen, you'll like this. I see this whole thing now becoming a story about centralized power versus decentralized power. I, I remember years ago – when I was like in the 90s uh, and and as the regulation was starting to come in on medicine and I kept saying, why are they making me do stupid stuff and you know, write and repeat that the sky is blue, the sky is blue. Yeah, I know the sky is blue. I've been, care- I've been trained for decades. I know the sky is blue. Why do you have to tell me the sky is blue? And I would say, send me back for more training. I love training. If I'm such a bad physician that you can't trust me to, to tell you the sky is blue, I must need more training. So send me back. Well, that was the 90s. And since then, medicine has been completely overtaken by bureaucratic structuring. And that was one of the other shocks to me, that that when that bared its ugly head in this pandemic, you could see how physicians couldn't function because they were all in these bureaucratic structures that were ossified, prevented them from thinking and doing their job. And this centralization is catastrophic to a medicine, to a particularly to a profession that be, should be completely decentralized. When your ultimate unit is the medical provider and the patient, that nothing is more efficient than that. But here we are. Here we are. Right? Yeah. 
Well, that answers my question. Thanks a lot right. for taking right. my call. And I was pretty sure I was correct, but wanted to hear your take on okay. my skepticism of the numbers. Cause Oops, sorry, buddy. Thanks so much. Uh, and this is Madeline. Madeline? Hi, Dr. Dude. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I got a question for you about vaginal discharge. Good times. So recently, about a week ago, I got freaky, and then hours after, right after I woke up, um, I started having really intense green discharge with yeah. uh, an ammonia smell, and my pussy was so swollen I couldn't even get a finger in there. I had some Metro Donalizole gel, yep. and I, I was playing the game of is it BV or is it chlamydia? Because I get BV often, but I've had chlamydia more than once, so I wasn't sure. So I self-medicated with the Metro. And now my discharge is a very weird consistency. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is definitely an STD, right? You you had contact and then you developed a discharge and pain and disorder and that kind of stuff. And that's a sexually transmitted thing. Uh, the, actually, the most the way you describe it, the most common thing would actually be uh, not a bacterial infection but a protozoal infection. That it tends to get better with the metronidazole gel. But you got to see a doctor. Why haven't you gone in? Uh, I live in a really small little mountain town, and I don't have a car, so that's what I'm working with. Telemedicine. Go online. Do a telemedicine visit. You're going to need some antibiotics. Okay. okay now, what is it, it, telemedicine? Yeah, just go online and say telemedicine near me, and a doctor will come on and Zoom with you. And go over it, and uh, you know. Is it, show the, my on the camera? No, you don't. It's just uh, you can okay. tell the story, and I think you know, tell them your circumstance, and I think he or she would be willing to start prescribing antibiotic to it and give you more metronidazole gel. And then why aren't you uh, maybe using a condom next time? Yeah, that would probably be a good idea. But when you're up for four hours doing blood, drinking tequila, you're not really thinking about condoms. Yeah, and if if that's true, maybe there's uh, another problem afoot that's. Uh, causing health consequences for you. Maybe this is more addiction, you know, doing its thing. You do have a point there. Right. And that's another thing you can do by Zoom. You can go to an AA meeting or a CA meeting or whatever. But if you're if you're using substances to the point that it's starting to affect your functioning, affect your health, affect your relationships, that's a sign that it's really a significant problem. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right, Madeline. Telemedicine. All right. Good job with the metronidazole. Yep. But appreciate uh, you. you. Yep. Appreciate you too. Uh, all right. That was Madeline. Uh, let's talk about uh, Matt. Matt, what's going on? Hey. Hey, Matt. What's up? So I wanted to the vaccine for uh, newborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, how necessary is it? If the, the or the father is not does not is not carrying the STD hepatitis B. Uh, I, I'm not sure what you're asking. I mean, it's, it's not it's not given it's given as a preventative, you know, again for adulthood. It's a preventative. So 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 you're yeah. saying that an infant could get that it's optimal the uh, the optimum. Effect the way to get lifelong immunity from he- against hepatitis B, which is a massive problem worldwide before the vaccine, 
is to get op- get vaccinated as an infant. Yes, that's your op- optimum period. You don't have to be vaccinated then. I mean, I got it in adulthood. Okay, so I've, I guess I'm just asking it's why just like, is it on like, the vaccine schedule for be, children? Because it's op- when, optimal you know, I, for a for a infectious disease that is a massive cause of cirrhosis worldwide and illness and cancer and other things. But it's an STD. Not strictly, no. No. It's, 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 hepatitis B is a highly infectious. It's not like hepatitis C. Hepatitis B is a very infectious disease, and it's uh, transmitted many, many different ways. It, you know, they, the, um, I remember I was listening to a lecture back in the, in the HIV days, and uh, this Caltech professor was lecturing. And he said, look, you got to understand the difference. We were talking about the difference between HIV and hepatitis B, the viruses. And he said, look, if I took a quart of blood from a person with HIV and I put it in, I forget what he said, it was like a hot tub or something, uh, and then injected that water into, into your system, you would, you, there's like a zero probability of transmission. The, the particles are so, so infrequent. Again, back then we didn't know so much about the fact that as the disease progresses, the HIV goes up in terms of its concentration. So that wasn't strictly speaking a, a proper analogy. But, but what stuck with me, he said, if I take a drop of blood from a hepatitis B person patient and put it in a swimming pool and then inject that water into your blood, you'll get hepatitis B every time. Hepatitis B is a really – it's a different kind of thing. Now, you can elect not to give it, but my goodness. I mean, you know, I have patients that come in all the time and want to have their immunity checked against hepatitis B because they got it in adulthood, and it's not as sustained in adulthood. So it's up to you. I just I just am questioning why you would get it for an infant, though, if you're not – So that infant can have sustained immunity his or her entire life. Yeah against an, a disease that caused worldwide horrible problems before the vaccine. Now, I don't know if you want to talk to your pediatrician about, you know, have we done enough with Hep B now that we really don't have to be, you know, much like what's another, you know, disease that we, that we kind of got rid of. Um, but talk to your pediatrician about it. I mean, that's, that's the way to go. It has nothing to do with sex. Nothing. Uh, why are you vaccinating your kid against meningitis? Uh, why are you doing that? Because that comes in in college years as well. Um, okay, so uh, Dan, what's going on? Hey, hey Dan. what's up, man? What's happening? Uh, yeah, how do you keep a straight face all the time? Like you, you seem like you're on top of all the uh, the stuff, but you're still, <laughs> uh, you know, in the media and yeah, like. For years, I, I mean, I remember watching you growing up with Adam Carolla on, on uh, MTV. Right. You know, you know, what you're talking about. How do you stay on top of everything and like still like you know, fight cancel culture? You, you do everything. Like you, you're you're the man. You're well. You're very kind. Uh, so so here's <laughs> look. I used to I, look just practicing medicine for 35 years. You know, tells me informs me a lot about humans and relationships and neurobiology and medical issues. So I'm, I'm sort of have no – I've had this very, very intense – That stuff doesn't change. Yeah, right. I get it. Like, it's like – Yeah. It's like, yeah. But in terms of other opinions, I, I'm not that confident about my other opinions. I, I have lots of thoughts, but uh, – and I kind of share – you know, Adam and I still do a podcast regularly, and I, I share them with him. But I don't have the same kind of confidence about those things. I, I and to your point, I I actually have to had to be careful. 
lately, you know, I learned a little lesson, you said, from the cancel culture in that the homeless thing has been driving me crazy. It's literally like as though I were a surgeon who had a specialized ability to cure a tumor and I was walking around in the streets and wherever I walked, I was stepping over people with that tumor that I could cure. And that's the way it felt to me with homelessness in Los Angeles. I, I know these are my. I know what this is. I know how to treat it. I know what's going on here, and it's mm-hmm. literally like you know. I felt like I was. You know, I don't like you know when you say things and you really know what you're talking about and, and you can't get heard. It makes me frustrated, and I start to get kind of shrill. And then when COVID came, I think it, it the shrillness became hubris. And I have to be really careful that, you know, even though I know stuff, that I don't become hubristic. That that is a that is a liability. It's a it's a it's a character de- defect. And uh, I'm working hard to make sure I don't get that way. So yeah, you've been really good, like, like Teen Mom. You you you've you've done it. Like you've done the gambit, and you. I mean. I, I've learned a lot from you. So well, that's good. You. That's the goal. That's the if, point. If I have if any, any minute talking to you, thank you. <laughs> All right, man. appreciate it, man. Appreciate it very much. But, uh, that's the goal is to teach people a little something, something, and you know, and and I say, you know, the 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 best way to teach is with cases, right? That's how we learn in medical school. And so the teen mom experiences were sort of cases. The callers on Loveline, your callers here, cases. And so people learn from listening to people having an experience and then me sort of framing it and making sense of it for people. Thanks, Dan. Pablo, what's going on? Yes, howdy, Dr. Drew. Thank you again for for the show, the forum, the podcast, everything you've done throughout the years. Thank you, man. Since the Loveline days, always very appreciative. And um, my question was, I know you've been treating uh, COVID patients. I know you've had your several rounds of COVID. I was curious to hear any early observations on subvariants or really like when is that data available? Like how do you actually know if the patient that you're treating potentially has a new subvariant uh, and how that might be different to the ever-present Delta and Omicron? I'm not sure I understand your question. So your question is, how did Omicron manifest and how do we know if we have a new variant, like a BA2 coming? Is that the question? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So like when do you actually have the information in terms of the variants? You really, you're, you're, you're guessing, you're guessing all the time. Uh, the, the, it's, mm. it's, it's really the public health organizations, the research groups and the universities that are collecting the, the variant types and you sort of watch the data and as the variant takes over, you assume what you're seeing is that variant. And like, for instance, with Omicron, Omicron had very specific characteristic, sore throat, prominent, um, body aches is sort of typical of COVID generally, uh, cough, and and mild. Uh, that was the sort of the thing. And particularly mild in people that were triple vaccinated. It, the vac- you know, triple vaccine did not prevent infection, probably at all. It did not prevent transmission, mm-hmm. probably at all. But people that were triple vaccinated really had a milder illness. Uh, myself, I had you know previous alpha and then a vaccine and then Omicron. And Omicron was way different than than uh, alpha for me. Now, BA2, they're starting to say, may come around, though it's not penetrating the way they thought it would. So that suggests that some of the immunity at Omicron is probably working, if not working well against BA2 just you know uh, beware the um, 
the catastrophist. I, I mean, just beware. You know, mm-hmm. every day it's, it's a grim, it's grim outlook, it's grim, it's grim, it's coming. It's like, yeah, it may, it may, and we'll get it, we'll stay with it and uh, stay on it. And if we get another one, yeah, well, then we'll be immune to that one. And uh, hopefully, hopefully there won't be any d- disastrous strains ahead. It's kind of looking like it's sort of going in the other direction. Will it stay, keep going that direction? I, who knows? I mean, this thing has been so nefarious and, and difficult. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Paul, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it does. I mean, I think, you know, one of, one of the things that I know you've echoed uh, also as well with, on, with Adam is about, you know, being able to take the things of your own health into your own hands, right. Or being proactive about, um, you know, whether it's like obesity or, you know, what you're eating, yeah. the level of activity you're doing. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm curious the- if you've, seen also like any any like supplement stuff i know y'all have talked about zinc y'all have talked about vitamin d right is there anything else like even those mouthwashes right or like the diluted uh iodine or things you know the listering yeah that you continue to see effective even if it is like a game of inches right then it's a game you know, of inches kind of it, it, it's inches together yeah probably you're, you're exactly right it is a game of inches and it probably is more efficacious in some than in others so let, let's go through what you're talking about because for me, it had almost no no benefit. Nothing had any benefit. By the time I got, I got alpha, I got blasted by it. So we're talking about optimizing vitamin D. We're talking about maybe mm-hmm. optimizing vitamin C. We're talking about getting adequate zinc and using ionophore to get that zinc into the cells, uh, called quercetin. Uh, you were talking about dilute beta iodine, uh, poviodine solutions, beta iodine solutions, which there were some good ones. And you can even use just plain old saline solution, it turns out, on your nasal cavity may reduce the virus from getting in. But certainly gargling with the dilute poviodine, nasal sw- lavage with that, has clear benefit. And why that wasn't more ample, you know, sort of mentioned by public health, I don't know. And then, of course, keeping mm-hmm. our weight down, exercising adequately. All these things are very, very important. But, you know, if you're 75 and you get hit with this thing, it's going to be bad. It's going to be rough uh, no matter what you do. Uh, if you're 30, 35, it's going to be pretty easy. And in, in these, in these, as you say, um, uh, games of inches maneuvers might be beneficial and certainly wouldn't hurt. That's for sure. And, and paying attention to our health is not a bad thing right now. But isn't it interesting? I, I was just interested how the – the Ukrainian situation sort of reframed a lot of this stuff. It's like people mm-hmm. have lost. We can all of a sudden start talking about it without the same uh, same posturing and intensity and signaling and all the nonsense. It's just we're just talking about things that might help. That's all. A viral illnesses out there. Yep, that's right. Uh, and let's look at the data. Let's do the best we can. All right, Pablo. Thanks so much. Thanks very much, Doctor. You, you. have a great one. You too. Bye. Get delicious chef-made nutrient-packed meals delivered straight to your door. No cooking even required. That's right. Fresh, never frozen, ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With Freshly, you pick a favorite meal and, you know, you get exactly what you want and you get it right away. Use the Freshly website or app to find meals that fit your lifestyle or your requirements. 
plans that work for your dietary needs, preferences, taste, and family size. Choose from over 50 nutritionist-designed entrees, like their classic steak peppercorn with the multi-serve sides, like their masterful mac and cheese, or their new line of plant-based meals. Whatever your needs, they got it, and it's right there, and it's available, and it's ready in three minutes. Skip the grocery shopping and the dirty dishes. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week. New meals are added weekly, so you're never stuck eating the same thing over and over again. Stop stressing about dinner. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Drew. That's $40 off at F-R-E-S-H-L-Y, Freshly.com slash Drew. Well, you've heard me talk about uh, ZocDoc before. And, um, you know, uh, finding and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience. certainly isn't with ZocDoc. They will take your insurance, understand your needs, are available when you can see them with ZocDoc. The question, will they take my insurance, understand my needs, or be available with ZocDoc? The answer can be a simple, pain-free yes. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you physicians who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Read up on local physicians, get verified patient reviews, see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into the doctor's office, you, well, you know what you're getting into. Go to ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com. Choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or even do a video telemedicine, that's the way to go. Go to ZocDoc, choose that time, find the doctor that's right for you, book an appointment, Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. In the chaotic world of healthcare, particularly in COVID, ZocDoc can be your trusted guide to find a quality physician in a way that's quite pain-free. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Drew. Download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated physician today. Many are available within 24 hours. That is zocdoccom slash Drew, ZocDoc.com slash Drew. Did you know that you're experiencing one of the biggest changes in the society and the workplace since World War II? That's right. Don't underestimate the growth of the job market this year. Make this your best year by sourcing top-level candidates with Ladder. That's right. Don't just post and pray. No. Tired of being buried by 300 resumes from your candidates that don't have the experience and education or skills you need? Would you rather have 44 resumes from four, from targeted candidates that meet your specs? Then it's time to move up to ladder if that's what you want. During COVID, lots of companies paused their search to hire high-end talent. That has changed. People are in the market now. And Ladders isn't just for the masses. Listen, the Ladders is where smart recruiters and hiring managers find superior, expertly screened candidates to fill the $100,000 to $500,000 positions. On average, Ladders, L-A-D-D-E-R-S, Ladders job seekers have 15 years experience and most have a bachelor's or master's degree. Ladders saves you time with the tap to call, one-click contact, unlimited resume downloads, and advanced features that separate active, ready-to-hire candidates from those just shopping around. Save time and effort. Step up your search to The Ladders and target professionals that meet your specs the first time. Visit theladders.com slash podcast. That is theladders.com slash podcast. Hey, Josh, you had a question? Yeah, hey, Dr. Drew. Um, I was just wondering what you thought about meditation and addiction. I know you have a lot of patients that you treat, and um, I know you're, you're not a fan of meditation. Or you said you, you, you don't really, um, you know, practice it. 
I'm a fan. I'm a fan of mindfulness because I've seen it help so many people, and you know, like eighty percent of people are really helped by it. And meditation and prayer and those sorts of things are a part of the so-called spiritual practice of recovery that works in addiction. Now, you know, the the sort of uh, recovery process in addiction is interesting. John John Kelly did a interesting series of studies on it, and he showed that, uh, in fact, people take from the recovery process what they want and need. In other words, you know, the the this this empiric thing we call twelve step or mutual aid society is a mishmash of lots of ideas, and most people don't do all of them to the same degree. They sort of pull out the ones that are really helpful for them. For some people, it's shame and guilt, and it's making sure that inventory is complete and sharing it with another person. For some people, it's the meditation and prayer and the third step and turning things over. Uh, and so, and for some people, it becomes uh, strictly sp- spiritual practices that really help them. So it's it's... It's very interesting, uh, but it's not as though I'm sort of for or against something. I'm, I'm for all of it, and that people get from it what they need. Yeah, so um, I really like what you said. I feel like, um, you know, it's, um, I mean, when we look at sleep, we obviously, there's no doctor that would say sleep is unhealthy. Every exactly. doctor would say sleep is healthy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and, and meditation is sort of, as it's described, is sort of a, a deeper level of, if anything, it can be a deeper level of rest um, than you would even find in sleep. At least that's what these sort of ancient um, Eastern um, scriptures yeah. Yeah. Re- recommend. Yep. Um, so if, if there's no problem with sleep from a f- physician standpoint, then it should make sense that there should be no real argument against meditation. Just, just from the... The reparative, I would agree with you on, on in principle. However, I'll push back on one simple level, and on that, then I'll push back on my own pushback, which is that it, it shows that about – the research shows that about 20% of people that try uh, mindfulness for anxiety or OCD symptoms get worse. It intensifies their symptoms. Now, I have sp- – now, so that's the data. Now, I'm going to push back on that data and say, you know, there's, there's also practitioners I've t- spoken to who say to me, well, yes, that's part of the process. That's the whole point. you got to push through that and keep going. And a lot of people experience that. And in my experience as a practitioner and a coach, uh, they get through it. They push through it and they get a lot of better on the other side. So, uh, unfortunately, there isn't yet sort of documentation of that. But it's I, I believe it makes sense to me. Uh, so the literature says some people get worse. The practitioners say that's part of the process, and it's hard to argue that it's helpful. It, it's helpful. Yeah, on, so on I would, I would probably my point would be somewhere in the middle. I would say if you're feeling anxiety while you're meditating, most likely that's going to be from a psychological say yeah. trauma right. or something like that. It's yeah. going to be an actual psychological, you're going to have to do an inventory of that person's trauma history or whatever, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, what that's what's showing up in the meditation. Correct. Um, so it's not that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we, we would obviously Work not throw out psychology here. That's not yeah. what I'm suggesting. All I'm suggesting is um, that the process of meditation is good. Yep. And also from, from that, why, just like you had a you had a psychic on 
you know, why not meditate and then also see a, a therapist if that's, if that's what you do. I mean, if, if that's what you're experiencing, see a therapist for that anxiety. Don't ignore the anxiety that you're experiencing in meditation. I, I don't disagree with you, and, uh, and uh, please don't characterize me as sort of not a fan. The, the not a fan part is, is sort of for myself. And that's probably a weakness on my part, not necessarily anything other than that. So thanks, Josh. To keep the New Year positivity going, Audible has created a destination for complete well-being that delivers inspiration, encouragement, and actionable steps, no matter what your goals are. At audible.com slash well-being, Audible editors have created a range of titles featuring experts in a wide range of self-care, self-development categories, from mastering your emotions and improving relationships to getting in shape and finding more success at work and at home. Among the listens are brand new titles from some of the most inspiring original voices. Among the listens are brand new titles from some of the most inspiring original voices in the genre, including best-selling self-help expert Mel Robbins, the five-second rule start here, who runs with a new podcast called Here's Exactly What to Do. Coach Pamela has created Mastering the Skill of Reinvention, which can help you turn your life into the dream you've wanted. Renowned music producer and performer, Major, who offers Major Frequency, a revitalizing journey into the healing power of music. Listening Options opens up a world of opportunities for discovering insights wherever you are, and these titles can give you the confidence and the motivation you need to build the life you deserve. It is audible.com slash well-being. Well, you know, we're all trying to get away now to trips. COVID has loosened up, but it's important to take a second and be prepared for the unexpected when traveling. One of the best ways to do that is with an Air MedCare Network Fly You Home membership. AMCN Fly You Home is all about taking control of your care. If you get hurt or sick or are hospitalized more than 150 nautical miles from home, they'll transport you to a hospital of your choice in a medically equipped private aircraft, and you won't have to pay a dime out of pocket for it. They've also completed more than 18,000 missions and have over 30 years of experience. So you can expect industry-leading care while recovering. Now, I know you're all thinking this must be expensive, but it is not. It may be as cheap as $134 a year for your entire household. And if you use the code Dr. Drew, that is D-R-D-R-E-W, they'll give you up to a $60 gift card when you join. For all of you like me who love getting out there, I can't recommend enough the peace of mind when you feel with an AMCN Fly You Home membership just visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash Dr. Drew today and get up to a $60 gift card with code Dr. Drew. Again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com slash D-R-D-R-E-W and code Dr. Drew. Uh, and this is uh, Mark. Hi. Whoop. There you are. Hang on, Mark. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. There you are. And, you know, he works, he goes to school. Right, hang on a second. Mark, and, Mark, uh, Mark, Mark, stop. You were on hold there a second. Let's try again. Mark San Diego, what's going okay. on? What's going on? Hi. Um, so I got a 22-year-old son. Uh, I think he has definitely has some social anxiety and maybe schizoid, not schizophrenic. Mm. But um not sure what to do. He, uh, you know, he functions, he has a job and goes to uh, college, but uh, just he doesn't get out there and meet girls or boys or whatever. And, you know, has one friend that he plays video games with sometimes. 
and uh, just kind of gets frustrating that uh, we can't um, get him social. So have you had him evaluated by a professional? Uh, back in when he was uh, 15, we had him in like a group deal, and they said he, he wasn't really, you know, he wasn't that bad, but uh, no, not really a, an evaluation. My wife talked to somebody. They said they really don't have any answers. He's got to want to go in and get help. What did they say is his, they, you have to have a diagnosis in order to get a treatment. What was his diagnosis when he was 15? Uh, just to, it was a social type of setting where you had right. a group thing. Hey, hey Mark, didn't Mark, really have a, Mark, you need a lot more, really you need more information. You need a lot more information. I'm sorry. You need a lot more information. There's a lot missing that you don't seem to have right now. They believe me. There's a medical record and there's a diagnosis in that treatment program, and you should find out what that is, so you can understand what you're contending with now. And similarly, you can't create a treatment until you understand what the problem is, what the diagnosis is. No diagnosis, no treatment. And so, now in the teenage years, things can change quite a bit. Maybe they were wrong. And certainly it'd be reasonable for you to go ahead and get another another evaluation presently. Whether he can be treated, yeah, certainly people you have to have buy-in from the patient to, and they have to be motivated to really to really get get treatment going. But I don't have any idea what treatment is because I don't have any idea what's going on with him. It could be as it could be you know autistic spectrum. It could be schizoid. It could be a, a burgeoning you know serious mental illness. It could be a lot of things. It could be some neurological problems, and who knows. But it, each of those things are treated differently, and he needs to he needs yeah, to get doc, properly diagnosed. Doctor Drew, yeah. um, it wasn't Asperger's, which we thought it was. Um, I don't know. In my day, it would be called just being shy, but uh, now everything's got you know a clinical thing. So, um, well, in terms of that's kind of where wanting if you want to have a treatment, I mean, you just say, oh, he's just a shy guy, and leave it at that. Okay, things aren't going to get aren't going to change very much. But if it's if it if he has a social anxiety disorder or social phobias or something like that, uh, you know, or or I mean, it, look, uh, the one thing I always say is if if it's not a diagnosable condition, something's affecting his functioning. So technically, it is diagnosable, but let's say it isn't. Um, then he needs to learn social skills, and he's got to be somewhat motivated to do that. But he should have somebody work with him on how to interact. You know, you know. I, I don't know where you get that person. Um, you know, again, that's back to having a therapist or somebody in his court that can help him feel secure enough to go out in the world. I mean, it can be a very simple matter of supportive psychotherapy. If he has no significant mental illness, then it's just having that supportive presence there to keep keep urging him and helping him feel secure going out into the social world. And I certainly would start there. And if and did you say he's in college now? Yes, he attends uh, San Diego State. All right, so San Diego State, I promise you, has elaborate mental health services, uh, many of which can uh, can handle these kinds of issues for sure. And have him just show up mental health services and say, "Look, we're worried about you." And and if he if he is unaware or unconcerned or has no insight. Maybe sort of frame it as a mood problem, like we think, you know, you're worried you're going to be depressed. We worry that 
you know, that uh, you don't seem quite happy right now and, and we just worry about you. Please go get, get an evaluation. Uh, thank you so much for the calls, everybody. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter show today. Thank you for all the phone calls. Uh, again, uh, don't forget uh, the social media sites, Dr.TV for the streaming show. And we will see you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Watch Yellowstone for free on Pluto TV. All this weekend, Pluto TV is streaming a marathon of seasons one to three of Yellowstone, the show the rap calls a smash hit series. Pluto TV also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows like Mission Impossible 3, Gladiator, CSI, and more. Absolutely free. So download the free Pluto TV streaming app and watch Yellowstone seasons one to three free.